podcast listeners, welcome to the latest episode of Culture Pulse. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. My name is James Gregory. I'm joined by my co-host. Hello, I'm Dane Jackins, uh, the usual co-host, uh, also the <laughs> fill-in this week. Um, so, uh... I had this idea for an episode I wanted to do with you tonight. Um, as uh, as our loyal listeners will know, uh, the most recent episode we recorded was about the Hulu show uh, created, written, directed by Alex Garland called Devs. Um, and it's, uh, the final episode is airing here in a couple of days. And uh, in typical Alex Garland fashion, there are a lot of balls up in the air. There are some big unresolved questions and i guess i just wanted to have like a predictions episode with you before the finale so that way you know if any of our predictions are come through or true you know we can point back to it and be like yeah see i called that i got it on the record I got it right there uh, yeah and no, i'm excited to do that uh i think what we'll do actually is probably just this will be one continuous episode and we'll do some portion of it talking about what our predictions are for the finale we've uh all both of us have watched up through episode seven at this point so there'll be eight episodes and then we'll take a break and we'll notify everyone at that point that we're gonna jump into discussing the actual finale so there will be a point where we'll probably get into spoilers for the whole series but i think we'll we'll be doing spoilers for all of the episodes that have aired so far right now yeah It'd be difficult to talk about it without giving some stuff away. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, it's kind of funny, as you were talking about uh, the fact that it's airing soon, it's like one of very few shows that I feel like I've watched recently that actually is appointment TV. Yeah, yeah. I look forward I mean, not to since it the end of Not since the end of Game of Thrones, have I like wanted to like sit down and like make time for it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do like uh, some predictions and then some post-dictions and... Uh, yeah, it should be fun. Uh, would you like me to go first? Because I already found one of my predictions that when I went back and watched was wildly inaccurate. <laughs> um, yeah, let's yeah and, go for it. Uh, so uh, early earlier on in the series, uh, Lily had uh, the main character Lillian Chen had a uh, friend uh, named Jen, um, who I think I commented this last time. She's got great eyebrows. Like I don't know what it is about this lady's eyebrows, but anyway, there was a point where. Uh, Lily and Jen were in Kitten's office, and Lily was having her uh, staged manic breakdown. Um, and Jen, like, hacks into Kitten's computer and, like, pulls something off of it. And I was like, oh, they haven't used that yet. Like, what was that? But then, I, as I was rewatching the episode, later it comes up that uh, that was the security footage of Sergey, uh, Lily, Lily, Lily's boyfriend, ah. uh self-immolating so mm -hmm. man i was really for like for a couple weeks there i've been really holding on to this uh gin thumb drive yeah that, that maybe uh, lily had done something with that <laughs> fell through fell yeah flat. i remember you talking about that on our last episode and i don't think that character has even shown up again since nope. that episode <laughs> no neither has her boss who uh well, I mean, this will segue into something maybe uh, we we can cut, but like I didn't even notice that her boss didn't have feet; she had like prosthetic feet. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that just like adds to the level of diversity that's on the show. That's just completely normalized. There's only right. like two, you know, white males, and they're both are pretty pretty evil, and everyone else is like uh, is is it's a very diverse cast I, I like it and it's just like no attention's really brought to it mm -hmm. outside of like plot points that that make sense and are purposeful yeah i mean it's not an unusual makeup for 
like Bay Area, Silicon Valley tech companies either. Certainly a lot of like folks from variety of backgrounds involved in totally. that stuff. So cool. Uh, so you have any predictions? Something you want to share? <laughs> well, I mean, actually, it makes so yeah. I was thinking what we what we talked about at the end of our last episode was what where we thought the series was going to go. I think we had both watched four episodes. We were right at, like midway through the the show at that point. And you and I were both saying, well, it seems like Forrest, uh, Nick Offerman's character, is trying to generate this this technology and this algorithm so that he can reconnect with or be in touch again with his daughter who had tragically died. And we both were talking about, well, maybe he's going to take the result of the devs program and build an AI or build some kind of communication means to to be able to to interact with her again mm-hmm. but after seven episodes it seems pretty clear that's not where the show's going <laughs> yeah. either i don't know uh, so i mean what is his what is his end game here is well, he just wants yeah and so that's actually so the one thing that i've been thinking about and i'll i'll totally admit the kernel of of the theory here comes from uh my wife erica and she was actually going to join us today, but she's she's mired in the middle of work. We're in the middle of this weird coronavirus uh, determined schedule right now. So yeah, parenting uh, as well. Yes, exactly. So uh, her her um, point that she made was that, and I we actually went back and rewatched this in uh, just tonight in the first episode, and it happens in like the first two minutes. Lily Chan and her boyfriend Sergey are sitting at the breakfast table having a conversation before he's about to go interview. Uh, he works at at the company Amaya, but he's going to go interview for the devs program. Um, and they're having this conversation about uh, something that I had no idea exactly what they were talking about until I looked up. But there, she's like an encryption specialist, and they were talking about different um, methods of encryption, like coding. And so mm-hmm. he says something like, oh, yeah, it's totally standard to use elliptical curve or whatever because it's it's just much more secure. And, mm-hmm. and I guess there are two different types. <clears throat> they talk about RAS and then elliptical curve. Yeah. Which I looked up. I don't know. I still don't fully understand, like, what they are. But she's, she says to him, like, they're both uh, – they both share the same weakness, which is that <clears throat> they're weak against – hacking by quantum computers and so because they both have the same weakness that makes them equally weak which is Uh after i thought about that it's that's totally not true at all (laughs) the fact that they're weak to the same thing doesn't mean that they're equally weak equally weak yeah so but i I get i guess i get what they're saying it's like they both have a in common weak point and it's it's being hacked by quantum computers and so so then i was looking around on the internet about like what um what the code was that Sergey was was hacking when they showed the screenshot of him actually in the devs program and he was it turned out recording that onto his his watch because he's mm-hmm. had has some kind of connection to russian spies um, or spying for some russian entity whether it's a state entity or or a private entity i don't think we really know at this point yeah um, but there was something in there about encryption and um my theory is that <clears throat> the the devs program is being designed to uh, to try to use quantum computing to hack uh, another uh, hack a, a quantum computer that's out there, 
with mm. the idea of trying to figure out whether the whole whether their existence is um you know driven by determinism or by this multiverse uh idea and basically what i was thinking about is are they thinking do we are we living in a simulation and is there a way that we can uh test that out and use this this devs program to figure out whether or not we're we're in a simulation right now yeah wow that's that's interesting so someone had like looked at the actual code there was just a quick shot of in episode one that Sergey was looking at. And right. someone had like, had who, I, I mean, whomever this was, I assume knew what they were looking at. Were able to, were able to extrapolate all that out of there. Yeah. They broke it down. I mean, there were, there were some details um, in the thing that were mostly what it boiled down to was that there, there was some kind of like encryption piece to the code or encryption against quantum, quantum uh, hacking. Hacking. And so this, so then the, so the, the other main piece of the whole show right now is that it's coming towards this moment that Forrest and the, the devs team, or maybe just Forrest and, um, and I forget the other character's name, Katie, Alison Pill's character have Mm -hmm. foreseen, which is that, um, Lily is going to show up at devs. And then after that, there's a moment that they'll get to after which they're, their program can no longer predict what happens. And, and so they're, they think that the laws of the universe are going to break down at that moment. And I guess my theory is that they're going to discover that they're part of a simulation and they're going to basically blink out of existence at that point. Whoa, that's intense. And, um, uh, and Lily's going to be able to, to sort of open that, that pathway. That- that portal up mm-hmm. well actually a buddy of mine amy had pointed out that uh i guess in uh episode uh four um katie had said something to the effect of in 48 hours lily will die there's uh, there's no magic that's already happened and i had totally forgotten that 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 had been laid out there um because in a later episode katie's having a conversation with lily and uh, just says something about how you'll show up at devs in in 21 hours, and then after that, our simulation breaks down, our our, our algorithm knows no longer runs, um, and so like it seems like I, I mean I don't know if they're just assuming that Lily dies at that point, or if that had just been like kind of slid in there, and I had totally forgotten about it. Yeah. Yep. So obviously there's, I mean, there, there was, there was some indication, there's some suggestion at one point that there, um, that the, the infrastructure, the actual like hardware of devs, the, the building that it's in and the, the technology that they've come up to like vacuum seal it was created to protect against things like any kind of things, um, like, like an earthquake or something and they didn't they say yeah, yeah. at one point that there was a small earthquake yeah yeah that's nearby. what i mean i think i had texted you this at some point where uh i think that the the simul the the devs fails because there's an earthquake because it had been for like i see it as foreshadowing still because it hasn't been uh right. has it hasn't been disproven yet right but i uh, yeah i mean um uh, in episode four like uh, at the start of the at the start of the episode there's like a uh the the folks inside of devs get like a, an alert saying that there's like a tremor and uh they talk about how if uh the fault that they're on were to shift then 
and and the electromagnetic field fails, the whole structure would drop to the ground and they all be and they'd all be crushed. Right. So I mean that's what that's uh that's that was my last prediction. That's uh that's yeah. all I got. Uh, I'm still putting my money on earthquake right now. <laughs> yeah, well that I mean, that actually is what I had thought at first that uh, there would be some kind of physical phenomena that happened like a massive earthquake that just completely wipes out the the computer that it's being run on. Mm -hmm. But I also think like, well, wouldn't they would they not have been able to see that in their in their simulation? <laughs> Yeah, would they be able to? I mean, I guess they could trace all the, the history of the universe. So, I mean, I guess they would be able to predict when and where an earthquake would happen. So, Right. Yeah. Who knows? Yep. Uh, well. All right. I take my bet back. Um, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to, to bring up is my buddy John Lanier gave me his prediction uh, for what is going to happen. And he actually said this to me before you and I had talked about doing this as an episode idea cool. so yeah, yeah i just pulled his his uh chat up here where he was telling me can you read it in your best john lanier voice please? <laughs> yeah i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> so he said that he thinks in the end it's going to turn out that lily has been in control all along orchestrating each event in turn uh due to causality i don't know what he means by that she will wind up in control of the machine which she then uses to look back and figure out what she needed to do to get to that point, which is a paradox. Mm. Mm. A time paradox, says, huh? He says, Lily's dad's... Uh, there's a scene where they're playing Go, and Lily's dad says, how many moves ahead are you thinking, Lily, uh, while they're playing that game? And so, yeah, I mean, it does. it is an yeah. interesting idea that, like, that maybe she's... Um, she's in control but I, I, she doesn't seem to know that she is right i mean if she is yeah. then it, there's some she's operating on like some kind of path that's yeah, already yeah. been laid out and that's and thus like proving the idea of the deterministic non-free will operated world yeah and if she had like figured out what she needed to do like you would think that she would seem less like confused or upset by everything but Maybe that's just part of what she needed to to do to get where where she's going. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It should be interesting, though. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um. Yeah. So so in the last episode, episode seven, she. So I, it was actually interesting that that like they were telling her like you're gonna go to devs and you're gonna make this thing happen, and. Uh, we know it because we've we've looked at the we've you know looked at the simulation we know you do it and she just says mm -hmm. like okay well here's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna not you know i'm just gonna hang out <laughs> at my house um actually that was one of my favorite moments of the whole show in uh in the <laughs> beginning talking that, with jamie yeah where they're hanging out and they have i look at first i love that conversation they have together where they're like let's just do let's just be normal people and let's have a conversation <laughs> emptying the dishwasher yeah and like and feeding the dog and like yeah uh, it was just like a very sweet little moment comedic moment there <laughs> um so there's actually something else that you had brought up that uh that that i that hadn't occurred to me and i think this is also something erica said if i heard you correctly um there's a part where uh one of the devs linden um wants to um has been fired for like introducing the multiverse, like a multi, some kind of multiverse uh, elements or um, com, com, 
model into devs to mm-hmm. uh, make sharper images and clearer sounds. Right. And uh, Linden's fired for this because uh, Forrest uh, very much is only wants a determinist, uh, determined, uh, a determined universe, and doesn't right. want the multiverse involved at all. Right. So for um, for a couple episodes, Linden's trying to get their job back, and uh, Linden's doing a, a, a test of faith at the Crystal Dam and like over the edge, like just standing, freestanding. Um, to prove that, like, uh, if there are there are quantum fluctuations in the wind, or uh, in some universes, Linden will live, and in some mm-hmm. universes, Linden will fall to their death. Right. And uh, we we see through this uh, this this technique of showing the same person at, in the same scene doing multiple different things, implying the multiverse that Linden falls to their death every single time, and no Linden survives that. But it's kind of left unclear as to whether Lyndon uh, was pushed by Wynn or pushed by the other person there being Katie. And uh, you pointed that out to me. I thought, I mean, it tracks that Katie had probably pushed Lyndon in every universe mm. and then thus making it like a determined universe. Like she had decided, she had determined that she was going to push Lyndon and was so certain about this choice that in every universe that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, well, because the the way that that scene is cut, it's not made clear at all. Like they didn't, they don't show her laying hands on Lyndon, uh, mm-hmm. but he just he falls in every um, every instance that we observe, right? And yeah. so, so I guess the, there are two possible conclusions. One, she knew he was going to fall. She always knew he was going to fall, and he always falls. I guess there are three. That one that I just said, that he always falls from the quantum fluctuations of the wind, to that she pushes him, and she, thus she knows that he's always going to fall. Um, uh-huh. Or three, we just didn't see every iteration of the, you know, of that instance. Although, but yeah, to me, it's it, I guess it's less satisfying to think like, oh, maybe he just hops in the car with her and goes back. <laughs> <laughs> but it goes back to Debs, because obviously he doesn't seem to be any part of the final sequence of events and so i mean presumably that's that's not been stated anywhere but it seems like yeah. the idea is we know he's just not going to be involved in in this at all yeah um, yeah it's interesting okay Oof. um I, I, if do you have any more on that particular thing because it makes me think about something else Please, um, the fact that you called it a, a test of faith gets me back to this um the show being it's it's been a little less heavy-handed on this in the post episode one episodes but the idea of the tension between faith and science and how that shows up in a in a world that's either driven by free will or not um Mm -hmm. but part of what was informing my theory about how the how the final episode is going to end it um it in in um, with respect to them trying to figure out if it's a, if it's a simulation that they're living in, is that Forrest's ultimate goal or ultimate like um, driving purpose is to to test to to test this idea to understand whether he's living in a simulation or living in a deterministic world, which is sort of parallel to wanting to look into the face of God or to like look at your creator or understand if there even is a creator. 
and and test yeah. that out and understand that theory Ooh, yeah good call and then like if there is a creator then like you know th- that means existence has like purpose and there was a there was a meaning to all of it and then if it's not it's just random events happening Ooh, yeah that's cool yeah and, there's uh, a lot of tension in there yeah i'm sorry and, continue please continue that that scene that i really didn't like in the first episode where he's halo forest is haloed by the the tree lighting thing uh they, they replaced forest with uh with lily in that in episode seven she has the same kind of look where she then like walks into that that thing so i don't mm. know I, I i'm not sure exactly what that says then <laughs> <laughs> there, maybe there is a true a true sort of like messiah-like figure that's arrived um there was i feel like there was an uh, like uh you know, there are sometimes just like really quick cuts in the show. And I feel like I saw another instance of it too, where Forrest was upside down and wearing it. Like he had maybe stepped over Sergey when Sergey was being suffocated. And thus like Forrest was like an inverted uh, character with a halo. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's a cool, I, I like that image though. Of, yeah. uh, like the trees with the skirts around them. Yeah. It's a really, it's a cool thing. I feel like somebody needs to, use that design and put it put it up get on, on a, that uh, on a tech campus somewhere start doing nature trails at night you know <laughs> yeah cool well uh, that's all i got for predictions you got anything else you want to talk about before this last uh, episode airs um no i mean i guess i would just say that overall i'm i'm much more into the show than i was at midway through um part of it was i feel actually episode five has that um, series of sequences where they show all the different potential branches of what an, what an event could have been like if it had gone a different direction. And one mm-hmm. of those branches is uh, Forrest being on the phone with and watching the car crash with his wife and watching the car crash that his wife and daughter are in that kills them. And they show like all these different versions of what that could have been like, but they're all in the same frame so like Mm -hmm. there's multiple forests walking around in the same frame and there's multiple cars that have been either hit or just driven through the stop sign totally fine or or missing uh, each other narrowly narrowly missing or like but they all occupy the same same frame which that whole thing was like that that really hit me that that was well done and i actually felt like genuinely moved by by that piece of it um so i mean yeah, a show that's doing something that interesting and has all these other interesting ideas going on, um, I think is totally worth watching. Oh yeah, uh, I, I guess I will. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in too. I watched uh, Annihilation the other night. Oh yeah, uh, Alex Garland's 2018 movie. Yep. And uh, it was it was all right. I mean, uh, he had a lot of like cool effects for sure, like the. Um, the the design and the the set was very beautiful and uh a lot of like the the creatures and monsters in there were were really uh fun to look at um it kind of missed the mark but um yeah other than that i just wanted to throw that into feel free to edit that part out but no no that's yeah i i actually really liked annihilation i read the it's it's based on the first in a trilogy of books um by this guy Jeff Vandermeer and I read the first one which the movie is based on the movie totally changes the the plot around quite a bit um and actually it really it introduces that um in the beginning of the movie the, I mean the premise of the movie is that there's been some kind of physical 
uh, event that has created a sphere in Florida, basically that within the sphere, um, there are strange, we, we can't see into it. And there's all kind of, kinds of weird biology, biological things happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Natalie Portman plays a scientist that leads a group of women scientists to go in there. And her, part of why she was picked was because the last team that went in included her husband and then he returned. Right. He returned, but a completely different person. And yes, like, and that wasn't yeah. in the book at all. Um, no, all right. Yeah, was the book any good? Yeah, I liked the book. I mean, it actually, it was very kind of Lovecraftian. If you've if you've cool. read any of his stuff, like a lot a of kind bit. of you know, um, they I guess they call it the genre they call it like cosmic horror, cosmic horror, yeah, yeah, type of type of stuff going on. And so, and there's also the a lot of like being, yeah, and yeah, just kind of weird. Like, I don't know, I guess a lot of his stuff, other than that, is more sort of har- harder sci-fi type of things, whereas uh, that his stuff, meaning Alex Garland, um, mm. whereas Annihilation was a bit more like, yeah, like psychological and um, like environmental disaster type of <laughs> type of horror. Yeah, yeah. And, and still with like the, a completely unique idea. Well, before I realized it was based on a book, unique uh-huh. idea of uh, just like the, the life inside the sphere. It just gets like reflected back on itself and grows and right. changes and adapts with all the other life around it. Um, just creating these like beautiful, horrifying monsters and like, um, you know, bizarre alien flowers that look similar to flowers we have. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was a, it was, it was a good, it was a cool watch. Um, feel like it, it wasn't his best, but still, still worth the uh, two hours. You're saying, you're telling me that the bear that, uh, took on that woman's voice didn't scare the absolute shit out of you. I'm telling you it did. I'm just saying like, <laughs> Oh man, like the, like I was saying the monsters and like life and uh, just the design was definitely the coolest part yeah it's like it was like an electronic voice almost with yeah. like like uh some kind of a like almost like a a rodent mouth on this bear mm-hmm. oh it was terrifying and just like <laughs> mutating yeah yeah Ooh, terrifying yeah i I'd, anyway. I'd recommend to watch i think it's a good little yeah I mean, since we're sci-fi bringing up alex garland so much like just i mean fan of all his work yeah i had forgotten that he wrote uh sunshine have you seen sunshine yeah that one was great too that is one of my top favorite sci-fi movies i mean i know the criticism is that the ending kind of goes off the rails and that's totally true but everything leading up to like the last 10 minutes is just absolutely incredible yeah i think you turned that one back uh turn that turn me on to that one back in like 2007 um, because it was like a Danny Boyle movie who, mm-hmm. you know, I think we mentioned this last episode, Train Spotting, and uh, directed 28 Days Later. Yep. Um, and so, like, I didn't realize he had written it until we started, until I started researching for this, these episodes here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess, did, did we mention this the first episode? He wrote the book, The Beach, but had nothing to do oh, with the movie. Yeah. Alex Garland did. I think and I so did. he's only written yeah. one book and uh, <laughs> got adapted into a movie that was kind of ridiculed for a hot minute there. Uh-huh. Um, but now I'm, I'm on the wait list at the uh, Denver Public Library to get an electronic copy of The Beach right now. Just, oh, yeah. Uh, just going for it. Just going through a Garland phrase right now. Love it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> 
good time <laughs> to engage with some <laughs> creative words while we're all trapped at home. Totally. All right. Well, I'm all looking right. forward to tomorrow's episode. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, we'll link back up here in a few days and and put this together. Excellent. podcast listeners thank you for joining us uh, my name is james gregory welcome to culture pulse i'm joined right now by my co-host dane jackins hello all and my lovely wife erica Houts is also with us hi and we are officially in bicoastal podcast this issue we're also joined by our good friend john lanier we did hello. it hey john yeah what are we I believe where we left off last time is we were going to discuss uh, the future ending of uh, the then future ending of the show Devs. We've done a pre-episode where we had thrown out ideas, wild conspiracy theories, um, you name it. And uh, I, I think actually that's a good place to bring John in. Um, uh, I believe last week, uh, John, that uh, James had put some words in your mouth. Um, were there any, was there anything in, in what he had, uh, uh, any, any, any portrayal of his, uh, of your predictions of devs that? Uh, I don't remember exactly what my prediction was, um, but I think I predicted that in the end, we were going to find out that Lily, it was, we were watching Lily's, that in the end, the camera was going to pan out from the observation room and it was going to be Lily sitting there watching mm -hmm. the show that we just watched. Yeah, Brazil um, and style. Was, and she was, yeah, and she was the inventor of depth of, of the quantum computer, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Instead, it was much more bizarre and weird and bad than that, I think. <laughs> you but, didn't like it? Um, I, I don't think I understood it, but I, we'll, we'll get to that. But. Let me, before we get to anything, I'll text you John's, uh, or I'll, I'll read you John's text to me after he watched the episode. Okay, great. <laughs> the final episode. Ready? This is this is John's full thing. I read I this is it in its entirety, no paraphrasing here. And... <laughs> how, how many, many H's, H's are in that? But... Yeah. How many ellipses? I got it. <laughs> not a not a meh. There's no M. Just eh. Just eh. Right. Just eh. More, more of a chin scratching response than a indifferent response. Yeah um well i mean i liked it uh, i thought it moved super quick for being an ending do, do we need to like uh spell out that there are massive spoilers for the last episode of devs um that should be apparent by now i feel like i've already let like three cats out of their bags um, always worth always worth laying down some side posts though yeah if, you're, if, you, if you don't want to be spoiled turn it off now go watch all eight episodes was it eight episodes yep um all about an hour long did you want to spell out what happened um oh, you don't have to i don't want to put well, you on now, the spot now it's been now we're recording a week after the the show actually aired so i <laughs> struggled to to yeah, walk so. through all the things that happened yeah i've watched like four series finales <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, trying, I'm struggling to remember other than like lily lying on her on her back and that weird cube thing yeah so but episode, <laughs> episode seven ended with lily against her 
her preconceived idea showing up at devs, even though she was, she was told she was going to do it. She said, this, this will be easy. I won't have to do it. Yeah. And Jamie got cut. Yeah. Hard too. He had it in the heart and then one in each lung. Like Ken made sure that man was dead. It's a, yeah. it's a professional kill. Yeah. Fatality. Kenton wins. Which Oof. sidebar question, was it implied that Kenton had some military background? Yeah. Okay. There, he, and he was talking to the other guy and they're both something like ex spooks or something. Yeah. And the other yeah, guy was, was watching saying, the like, senator. Yeah. And the other guy was like, you know, this is boring. And, you know. the, uh, the Russian dude. The homeless Russian dude? No, the one they mm. killed, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no the senator's guard. Yeah, there was and they're the both guy sitting who, in the lobby, just twiddling their thumbs, and the guard says, "This is really boring." Yeah, yeah. What what he what he says is, uh, "Don't you miss it? The adrenaline." And yeah. Ken had actually just been like stabbed in the side the previous episode, yeah. and then later that same episode has to talk Lily off the ledge, and then like as the senator's guard and Ken are like passing ways, uh, they shake hands, and uh, um, Ken says something like, "It's all going tech." Like. No longer politics is what I took from that. Anyway, yeah. In, in um, meaning like the ruling of the world is all going yeah. to technology. Or like where the money and the security business is. Yeah, where the action is. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I actually really liked the ending of episode seven because I liked how Stuart like functioned as that ferryman, like literally like taking the boat across. And I started, I actually watched, re rewatched Ex Machina in that time. And I realized that uh, Alex Garland, the creator, um, he, he has this weird thing about people in confined spaces. Like, uh, it's like a recurring theme of his. Like, I mean, in devs, there's the shuttle that takes you back and forth and devs itself is a completely sealed off from the world womb or chamber of some kind. Mm -hmm. And then uh, without giving away too much an ex machina, it's like built in a bunker uh, even Annihilation, they were inside the Shimmer, or like the, the globe. Um, and like Sunshine, that was a movie that all took place in outer space. Like there's nothing more like, you know, it was just as confining, completely sealed by a vacuum as it was in Devs. So anyway, that was a... Uh, uh, Sunshine? Yeah, he wrote it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I think he wrote 28 Days Later too, is that right? He did, but I couldn't really find a confined, like, I guess being surrounded by zombies is kind of a confining <laughs> space, but the other ones are much more literal, you know? The theory breaks down entirely. If it's not, if it's not fully applicable. <laughs> <laughs> that was his first one. He's been building on it. He's been getting sharper. All right. So anyway, so that, so the episode seven ends with Lily showing up at devs. Uh, what's the, what's the character is the ferryman guy that you were talking about? Stuart? Stuart. Yeah. He, he shuttles her in. Episode eight starts with her going into devs. Uh -huh. She and, uh, she and uh, Forrest, she sees Forrest immediately and they have a conversation about, is Katie here? We meet her in about 20 minutes. And then uh, they effectively watch the end of the show. They, they use their machine, their time altering machine to look forward at what we presume given through like hints through the episodes is like, Lily's death and it was like 20 minutes into this 50 minute episode it was bizarre yeah well and they're not yeah I mean they're not watching the end of the show there's, there's a lot left after what they observed happened which I mean they we are telling it so I mean what they're observing happening is that she leads Forrest at gunpoint into the 
to the elevator, shoots him, decompresses the, the gravity seal or whatever, and the shuttle falls to the bottom and she dies. And that was the, the so, altering event. So I want to understand that the environment there is toxic. It's a vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they fall, so they, they basically asphyxiate because yeah. there's no, they don't die from the fall. Mm-mm. They asphyxiate because it's a vacuum. They run out of air. What'd you say, um, Erica? Well, yeah, Eric was. Go ahead. I didn't appear to be gasping for breath. I actually think they did die from the fall. Mm, I, don't, I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's worth a rewatch. I was try- yeah, I was trying to go back and remember what Forrest had explained to be the parameters of of the cube. Is it surrounded in like some sort of rate? Is it radon surrounded or something? I, I don't know. Like why? Why is it in that? situation that it's in it's for secrecy it's in a faraday cage yeah um so a faraday need cage. To be? yeah go ahead and it's suspended by electromagnetic fields why would shooting yeah. out the glass interrupt the magnetic field that makes no sense to me but the, anyway um yeah, yeah i think it's a vacuum i think he does say in the first episode it's a vacuum sealed and so that's when sergey asks if it's a vacuum sealed how do we get across and uh forrest says oh you'll see and, and takes him across and anyway right so breaks the i mainly felt like in the show that was an aesthetic choice more than like a Which real part? science thing the floating the floating chamber chamber yeah, yeah it, it it feels like that entire set was like concept art with the like halos around the redwood trees right mm-hmm. it feels like the concept concept art came long before the script did yeah. and they built this really cool set and they're like okay what, what's what's the show about um like there's really no reason for it to be this bronze cube or, or you know, and, and, the, and the computer itself was this sort of steampunk looking yeah. machine. Although it if you've ever looked at the, the real quantum computer, it looks similar to that. <laughs> Does oh, it? Really? Yeah, it has like tubes. It, it looks very similar. Uh, um, I've never seen that. Yeah, well, the thing they crashed down on onto is also very sort of weirdly stylized. It's like gold laminated honeycomb depressions egg cartons yeah like egg, egg cartons, cartons that covered like the floor and walls and ceiling of this whole interior chamber that they like when they crash down into the glass shatters and like it's containing glass in each little like cup of the egg carton which is kind of a cool little aesthetic but uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell if that had some kind of hardware purpose to it if that was just the faraday cage or what, what if that was yeah, I think it's like I took it just to be like uh, a means of like uh, for a boat, like just to to have that like literal physical like uh, almost complete separation off from it, like whatever the reason for the vacuum, the Faraday cage, and the electromagnetic field, like well, like I, I didn't I didn't worry so much about that part. I just like the idea of like complete like shut out shut out from everything else. So here's a question I have for everybody. So they watched that video of of themselves walking into the into the shuttle. She shoots him and then dies. And then the video cuts out and there and he says, like, okay, that's it. We can't see anywhere past that. That's the end of it. What about that experience was supposed to have completely like unsettled the, the algorithm so they could no longer predict what happened? going forward. I think they want us to understand that 
Lily, quote unquote, making the choice, <coughs> sorry, that Lily, quote unquote, making that choice, like broke the computer's ability to extrapolate. It doesn't make, you can't think about it too much. It doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Because the Fair way enough. they present it, every, every like subatomic particle in the universe has been deterministic from the Big Bang until the moment that some random woman in San Francisco decides it's not that way any longer and she makes a choice and then it breaks physics basically, um, which makes no, no sense, right? And the Forrest and Katie are convinced and they've been proven correct every step of the way that the universe is 100% deterministic, right? To the point where they don't even, they don't even try to orchestrate events to be the way they are. They just sort of like, they're just along for the ride, right? Katie and the kid are on the, the dam and she is completely uninterested in the outcome because she already knows the outcome, right? Yeah. And then we get all the way to this point and then Forrest later says that Lily's some sort of like special figure in the, in the, in the history of the universe of all the countless trillions of subatomic particles. Somehow Lily is now special. Is she like God or something? Is she Jesus? Right. Why is all of a sudden she's special, right? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't think she is per se. It's just that like they've all convinced themselves that their whole system they've designed is super deterministic. And I don't know. I mean, that, that weird like cage thing breaking, I guess it didn't like break the system or it doesn't seem like it broke the system, but like it could also be that, right? I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily that she just made a choice, but like she they had a big disruption within devs with, with that weird cage thing falling. Um, yeah, but I, well, but where you, where I thought you were going with that was that maybe she isn't special, but her actions proved that their model was wrong all along. It has nothing to do with her. It could have been anybody making that choice. Well, all it showed was that somebody can make a choice. And so only the multiverse theory could have been the correct one. And that's the only one that would support free will. Yeah, but, but, but mathematically, if they were wrong all along, there's no way they could have gotten weeks and weeks and weeks where everything is correct. And then there's one moment, right? Or are mm -hmm. they living in a parallel, like an alternate reality, which just happens to be virtually identical till that moment. It's totally possible, but it's one out of a hundred uncountable billion possibilities, <laughs> right? So yeah, it seems perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. That there's yeah. no way they could go to that point and it would be exactly as they understand it. And then all of a sudden it isn't. I'm just not sure how much to like in the entertainment space to value like complete intellectual consistency versus, you know, this is like a, an entertaining show and it's not completely intellectually consistent. And but it, but it is really intellectually consistent up until that point. Right. It's pretty smart and you have to. And, it's like patently false. So it's like intellectually <laughs> consistent and a false reality. My interpretation of it was that they, they, the past they had like reconstructed like themselves just by nature of, of having their fingerprints on it or Landon using whatever, whatever theory. And they could, their machinery is so fine and so powerful that it can see up to a point. But then at some point, like technology breaks down or fails or can't, it, it isn't this um, religious thing anymore. It's still like of this earth. Um, yeah. And so like, as, as far as like not being able to see past that point, 
I like the idea of there being she broke the machine by doing by sacrificing her and killing Forrest. Like she broke the machine, and that like they they can't model they can't model everything yet. They can model who knows how long they had been running devs days. I mean, clearly it was like weeks or months until it had broken down. So I mean, they were yeah. I see it as like a, a limitation on man, I guess. And, yeah, and, and I mean, Lily still wound up in exactly the same position in the end. Right? <laughs> a limitation. She just got there in a slightly different way. <laughs> right. Than they fought. Right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, well, yeah, well, we didn't we didn't necessarily. I mean, people watched it. So yeah, the reality is she doesn't shoot him. She throws the gun out, but then um, Stewart kills them both. Right. Yeah. Stewart sinks the boat. She, she threw the gun out of the boat and so to that point like the universe is deterministic but it starts to break apart right like some events are still occurring in both universes and after that okay yeah that's what i gathered from that part i feel so, like if i went back and watched from the very beginning i feel like the the show writers are dropping hints to us the entire time that we're that we're seeing one version of a of a sort of multiverse reality, right? It's a, it's overt in the in the seventh episode where they're on the the dam, right? And then as Katie walks away, there's like all these versions of her walking away. And if you pay really close attention, in the beginning of episode seven, it shows Lyndon sitting at the bottom of the dam, like yeah, alive, flying, lifeless. No, no, he's alive in the beginning. In the end, oh, he's what? dead. Yeah. But in the, but in the opening yeah. credits, it shows this da- it shows the dam and it shows the bottom, and he's sitting there like with his hands on his. On his, on, on, his hand, on his yeah, head, on that, his hands. That episode starts out with that like really weird, um, like music piece that's like playing over the, the beginning, and it's and then there's like a poetry reading too, and they yeah. show the yeah. And I don't remember seeing Lyndon. I remember seeing. I thought I saw yeah somebody there, but I guess I didn't. I didn't catch that it was Lyndon. So Are you familiar with that audio that they played? The part where it's like I had to let some of the blood out, like to show them, to show them, to show them. Apparently it was like a big, um, uh, Stephen Reich was the guy's name, Rich or Reich, R-E-I-C-H. Um, and I guess that was, uh, um, that audio was made from the, the um, imprisonment of the Central Park Five. Um, and he had like used this recording from the, from the trial. And that's what that, that line is, is like an audio recording from the trial of the Central Park Five. Um, anyway. So you brought it up and I, I didn't, I didn't talk yeah. about it last time and I was trying to let it go, but since it came about naturally, I wanted to throw that, that bit in. The yeah. sound, the sound design throughout was really cool. I thought. Anyway. Um, but that, that effect where there's multiple realities happening, uh, James, you talked about that in an earlier one, uh, earlier episode, right? Like that's, do you remember the scene where, uh, well, they have, I mean, episode five is the one where they have like, all the different reality, like not all the different, but multiple different realities kind of splitting off within one frame. And so you're seeing multiple versions of the same person doing different things within the same like time period. And so it's branches of what possible things they could have been doing. Which is, it seems like the narrator telling us, showing us something very different from what Forrest and Katie are understanding about the way it works, right? But Forrest yeah, and Katie are both on the running on the on their observations, right? They go ahead and look at the future, and everything they see is exactly like they saw it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. That, I mean, scientifically, they are convinced that they that they understand up until this <laughs> this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, before they applied, I think of it as Linden's patch to the devs program, the multiverse patch. That <laughs> the Linden old Lindy patch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before they applied that, the predictions that they had were like reliable, but super fuzzy. So were yeah. they, were they able to see well enough and hear well enough to still know the sequence of events or were they watching it in like HD the way you see it after the multiverse patch gets applied? So we, we see, we see Lily dying on the ground of the weird box, but it's super fuzzy. Yeah. We see, we see that image like w- way early on. Um, yeah, it was season uh, episode three or four. But you're right. I don't know. When, at one point, do they use Linden's? They're in Forrest is enraged because he tells him, "We're not seeing my world. We're seeing a world. I want my world. I want my little kid, not, you know, an alternate reality version of my kid." Yep. So, yeah. uh, go ahead. Well, this this raises a critical question to me, which is, so after the two of them die, they reappear as. <laughs> digital entities created by devs or they're basically in the they're in the simulation now and they know at least Forrest knows right away that he's no longer a corporeal entity he's a digital entity and he has this conversation with Katie where she says so I just want you to know that like this is only working because of the multiverse and I need you to understand what the I need you to like fully understand what the implications are of that. And he says like, yes, I understand. Which I guess they'd sort of explain later is that that could mean that he could potentially be in a good version or a bad version of, of uh, the, the digital world that he's, that he's now living in. Is that the only? Or infinite versions. Yeah. The only version we see is the happy ending we got. Okay, I see. So he is, he's in all versions then. I think that's why when he says to Lily, uh, enjoy this world, some of them are truly hellish. I was actually thinking like he was referring to the world she probably just came from, in which everyone she knew and was close to was lying to her and died horrible deaths. Or it could mean that she is in all those right now. That's a much darker view of the ending that I didn't think about until just now. The fact that not, not that he's in a branch that could be good or bad, but that he's in both all possible oh. good and all possible bad branches. So in some branches, he's like being nuked by terrorists. <laughs> like Event horizon shit, man. Like, who yeah. knows? So I, th- the ending, okay, we keep seeing the dead rat on the, on the weird altar, right? And it's hooked yep. up to these machines. And it, the, I, I thought the implication was that they were going to resurrect this rat somehow by some sort of, trick of quantum probability um but and then the end i thought they were going to put forrest's old dead body up there and resurrect him but that so what i mean what 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 were we looking at that we looked at that mouse probably a dozen times right the course of the show what are we looking at there like what what is that supposed to what is that supposed to be telling me about the show i mean i guess yeah so actually the same thing we had a conversation with our our friends who had watched the whole show and had this exact same question about the rat and what the purpose of that was and whether it was implying that they were going to make a new forest, bake, bake him in the dev's computer oven. Um, well, because, because forest is obsessed with his dead child. Right. Right. And I always assumed that the point of all this 
was to get his kid back. And he doesn't want alternate reality kid. He wants his kid, right? right. So he wants to somehow use what they've learned about deterministic physics to bring the kid back. I didn't see how they're going to get there without the show becoming really stupid, but that's where I thought they were going. And they're going to start with this dead rat. And then when it worked on the rat, then you move on to the kid, right? <laughs> uh, like that's all, you know. Um, but that just, that never, never quite gets there. Maybe it's just like a, something we were supposed to, like a red herring for us to, because yeah, Katie's, yeah. Katie spends a lot of time in that room sort of poking at the machine with the dead rat altar. Like, what is she doing in there? And what are those, what are the little guns above the objects? Like, what are we, I understand they're sort of scanning the objects and they're creating, you know, subatomic particle level models of these objects, including the dead rat. Is it, is it the computer sort of learning the relationship between these, these yeah. unrelated objects? Between is like decay and like change over time. Cause like it started out as a live rat, right? And then it watched this rat age and die. And so I think it, it is in a way resurrecting for us than that it's, it, they might've, I mean, they might've easy baked his, uh, easy baked his body. Um, but I mean, I think just by having Forrest dead in a room, it can understand, understand like where his particles had come from and which neurons would fire causing which thoughts. I mean, I don't mind that they made me think they were going to resurrect the rat. That's fine. Because the whole time <laughs> I was thinking, what does this have to do with the, with the kid? Right. Forrest is a, his Forrest's whole life has been devoted to this kid, but how does, how does this change anything in the end? He just gets to watch videos of his kid like what was his what was his end goal yeah. what was his end game you know yeah that's actually fair i was like where, where where's he going with this like with this dead rat yeah that's a, that's a great read john like because you're right for the first seven episodes all he has is videos just home movies except unless i mean i think they make mention that he's looking for absolution right he's looking for physics to tell him that it wasn't his fault and that no, no matter if he had hung up the phone with his wife or kept talking to her she would have been hit by that car anyway, and nothing. There's nothing he could have done to change it, and that he didn't really make a fatal choice. Yeah, he um, couldn't have hung up the phone. It wasn't it? Was already determined. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we can only we can only guess what the purpose of the rat was because they never explained fully <laughs> what it is, right? I, I don't mind that. Sometimes I mind that in the show. I don't mind it in this case. Yeah. Um, maybe they didn't even know what they were doing with the rat. They were scanning a rat, you know, and they didn't really know but okay the end they resurrect inside we're we're explicitly told it's a simulation so it's the computer's extrapolation of the world based on its knowledge presumably of every subatomic particle in the universe which seems impossible right this computer how can this computer model reality because what day needs for breakfast tomorrow is in some way determined by the spinning of a quark and the moment after the big bang right so how can even a quantum computer model that is insanity, right? Well, yeah. it's also determined by how much yogurt and like berry I have in my fridge too, right? Like there are ways to like predict it or like kind of model what will, what will happen tomorrow. Weather forecasting does it even though, you know. It's okay, so it's, it's modeling. That's why there's initially noise, a lot of noise in the prediction. Sure, yep. So, yeah. so Lyndon's, Lyndon's, Lyndon's algorithm basically freeze the computer to make educated guesses yeah, based yeah. on possibilities and then it becomes crystal then the computer is able to sort of spin a fiction it's it's sort of like a fiction that's based on probability right so it becomes crystal clear after that because then the computer can basically just fill in all the holes 
as it sees fit. Is that what I'm understanding about what Lyndon did? Yeah, sure. Seems like a reasonable. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm not gonna conflict with you there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Like, sure. Um, the the multiverse patch makes it so all these these realities are possible. I think like maybe Forrest didn't want that to begin with, but then once uh, Katie showed him the Lindy patch uh, working on visuals, like he seemed pretty moved by that. So maybe Forrest made an audible is what I'm just talking this through um, in real time. Um, Forrest made an audible and decided he could live in a world with multiverses as opposed to whatever he was doing with the dead rat and the, the fuzzy deterministic vision. So he kind of gets put back in the matrix in the end. He's like the guy who's like, I want you to put me back in. Uh, I want to, you know, I want to be somebody important, right? Yeah. He, he, he wants to willingly, yeah, he wants to willingly go back in knowing that it's all fake, but he doesn't care because it's going to be like this sort of, and we're to understand that Katie controls the parameters of the simulation. Yeah. yeah should we bring, I think, can it's, I I think all she can control is whether it's turned on or not. Right. And that's, that's what the purpose of the, that final sequence is where she's talking to the senator is like, I need funding to keep this going. So that, so that for a dead, so that a dead guy's fake consciousness that's based on his brain at the moment of his death, basically his consciousness is a simulation. He isn't, it isn't, I mean, what is him? I mean, you know what I mean? But his consciousness is something computers reconstructed from the, the way the quarks were spinning in that moment. Yeah, you're undercounting the body count here. It's not just Forrest. It's not just Lily in there. Stewart's gone insane. Like he just killed these two people. Uh, Landon appeared at the bottom of a ditch uh, of a of a dam this morning. Um, there was also two people dead in Jamie's apartment. One of them had been shot. The other had been choked to death by who knows. And then about a week ago, that Russian kid got choked to death. Oh, and Anton turned up dead in a garage. They're like a trail of bodies following these devs. And Katie's just like, you got to help me keep this thing going. I was at Sarah be like, there are like 10 dead people here to keep this man's consciousness and daughter alive. Like, shut it down. Shut it down immediately. That's going to make what I was going to say sound very silly. And I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. Which is that what I thought the show was doing there was showing you that it was that it was Katie's version of love for Forrest, essentially. Like she, <laughs> she wants him to live on because she's she has feelings for him, and even though she can't like she knows she can't be with him in reality, she wants him to exist in some dimension. Yeah, I don't hate that. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> but it is, it is. Yeah, I mean, it is like colored by the fact that they they let a lot of people get murdered and participate in the murders themselves i mean so yeah so what does that do to like this whole fact that they realize the multiverse patch is the only thing that actually works what does that do to their whole moral universe when they're talking about things in terms of deterministic physics with they're, respect to like people being people being murdered they're them participating in murders i think they're at odds right yeah. They're fundamentally at odds, but. But they don't, I guess we don't see the moral, the, the like fallout of that. I think that Forrest understands Lyndon's algorithm working to be 
that the computer is being allowed to basically spin fiction, but fiction based on a gigantic mountain of data, right? So the computer is the computer is not tracing their particular reality, but tracing a possible reality, right? But in the deterministic universe, there's only one reality. There are no there are no other possibilities. Everything is set from the moment of the Big Bang, mm-hmm. right? And those two things can't be together. I don't think. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. That's definitely not a physicist here. Well, that that was the tension of the show, right? That's that's what the whole. That's what the show is about. But they're they're walking through the world and making their decisions or not non decisions based on decision. the the thought that everything has been sort of laid out by since the Big Bang, and so they they can't they can't force the system in any direction by themselves, and thus like any any horrible thing that's going to happen, they don't have any responsibility for moral. Capability. Yeah, and we get that. I mean, we get the sense that Forrest, the show spends a lot of time telling us Forrest isn't a bad guy. He's not a villain, right? He's actually pretty cool and pretty, you know, friendly and cares about people. Relatable. Yeah. But he, but he stand, he sits, he stands there under the redwoods and watches Russian guy get choked because he has convinced himself that that it doesn't matter, that none of it matters, right? It's unfortunate, but it's part of this reality and there was nothing that was going to change it right you think forrest feels absolved in the fact that like all these people are still alive quote unquote inside the simulation like uh i mean linden was i mean there's it shows linden alive in this uh, alternate reality ending um sergey's still alive jamie's there walking around um so do you think like they're trying to wash their hands of those bodies because these people get to live on as well if inside a simulation i don't know i don't know i I feel like i I, I feel like everything after (laughs) everything after lily throws the gun becomes sort of allegorical in a way like lily gets everyone gets a second chance right that everyone gets to sort of go back and lily gets to dump her boyfriend who it turns out is a huge asshole and is a russian spy she gets to yes. go back and sort of make the choice that she should have made long before, right? And she goes and finds him at the Transamerica building or whatever. Um, Jamie, yeah. At the Salesforce Tower. So it becomes sort of, I mean, it becomes sort of like moralistic and allegorical. I don't think, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not sure. And then it becomes like, oh, you know, everyone gets, everyone has a chance to make different choices in their life. Their universe isn't deterministic. It's what you make of it, you know? Yeah. Um, you, yeah, you're making choices every day that affect your happiness. It becomes sort of preachy, and I, I thought in the end. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I mean, actually, that that uh, what I was thinking as we were just having that conversation about the, the the difference in moral responsibility between the multiverse and the deterministic world is that the show is very much tapped into kind of this meta commentary about the world around us right now and the the tech particularly with like tech empires and their influence on sociopolitics in the world and how, how much like a tech genius at a company can influence the direction of an entire country. Like and a messiah. So, what's that? Like a messiah. Yeah, exactly. And the other, the other piece of that is that there's this fascination in the tech world right now with whether or not free will exists and 
and that obviously that's a preoccupation of the show and that sort of deterministic world is where free will doesn't really exist. And so the commentary of the show seems to be that if people are operating as though free will doesn't exist, then they're operating as though they're, they have no responsibility in the world around them and that things are just happening, you know, on a set track and they're just there to sort of play their role. Mm, like puppets. And, and thus saying that there should be more moral responsibility within that community because of the power they have. Yeah. I, I like that as a moral lesson, but uh, like, as you were saying, didn't really come come about. They weren't really watching that, or they weren't really taking responsibility for all that, for all the terrible choices they did or didn't make. Hmm. Juggling. So there's there's one scene in the one of the middle episodes where Lily is with her father, I guess, back in the old country, and they're playing Go, and the father says, "Oh, Lily, you're always you're always thinking five moves ahead. Like, how did you know I was going to do that?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm good at the game." Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of cool. a, I felt that was like a breadcrumb for me to understand that Lily is some sort of like, like transcend, transcendental thinker and is thinking like a million moves ahead, you know, and they do trick Kenton into like leaving his office and they get the data off his computer, right? That was well orchestrated, right? They um, sort of thought ahead about how he would react to these stimuli, right? And they got him to do exactly what they needed him to do. Um, so I just, I thought the show was going to go that they, I thought they left me a clue there, but it didn't yeah. really turn out that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the end. Um, I had a question about paradise as Forrest puts it. So this is a, a uh, the end of the show um, after Lily and, uh, and Forrest get into the boat and Lily leaves the gun behind and Stuart crashes, crashes the boat and they both drown basically. Um, they wake up inside the machine and Forrest tells Lily, this is a version of paradise. And uh, I had to go back and watch it again. Um, so so uh, Sergey and Lily are recreating the, the, the scene from the first episode, a couple scenes from the first episode, and they're on campus and Stuart and Lyndon are there. And uh, I, I noticed that the, the boss or one of Lily's coworkers, she has feet. And I had made the comment last episode that uh, her boss as I had gone back and watched the episode, I had prosthetic feet. And uh, I was like, man, that was, wow, where did I get that from? Like, that's, that's, why did I think she had prosthetic feet? And I went back just to double check and looked at the scene and known episode two, I believe two or three, um, the boss does have prosthetic feet. And so it got me thinking about this question. Um, the art teacher at my school is autistic. She's high functioning autism. And I asked her, if you could take a pill to cure autism, would you, would you take it? And she said, absolutely not. Like autism is part of who I am. It's uh, my personality. Like it, it's one reason why I decided to go into teaching, become an art teacher. And so it got me, got me thinking of this idea of like, you know, whose, whose version of paradise are we looking at? Like granted, like having feet does seem like an advantage. And the art teacher turned the question around on me and she asked if you could take a pill to cure diabetes, I'm a type one diabetic. I told her I'd cure it in a heartbeat. Like there's, there's like, I don't see, the only benefit I see into having diabetes is just what I've made of it. Like how, what kind of choices have I made from that? Um, I have a buddy who's uh, red, green, colorblind. And I told this friend once that my dad is also red, green, colorblind and told this friend that they have a contact lens you can wear 
that allow you to see the color red. And uh, I asked this friend if he would wear the contact and he told me he wouldn't and told me that maybe his appreciation of red was greater than mine because he saw it in like a more unique or different way. So I, I got questions about this paradise and what does paradise equate to and look like? <laughs> I'm seeing John. John's got a very skeptical face on right now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, the, the, the last bit of it seems to like the least thought out bit of the whole show. It seems like something like the boardroom at the end was like, you know, a couple of suits were like, let's put them in the computer in the end because I think they're watching the Matrix. <laughs> you it, think se so? it seems less intelligent than the rest no. of the show combined. I don't it was know. It's all written by the same dude. But then you're, but then you're saying you noticed this incredibly minute detail about the feet. I never would have noticed that. I, re I, I remember seeing that too because it is, it's kind of, it's bizarre that she's got fully prosthetic feet. Well, you're, because it's one, it's one of these shows where you're paying attention to everything because you don't yeah. quite get it, right? So then when someone has randomly has feet, like prosthetic feet, you're like, what? Like, what? Like, why am I looking at this? You know? Yeah, well, I didn't I, see it till the second watch. Yeah, I noticed, I noticed the prosthetic feet, but I didn't notice that she had non-prosthetic feet. I was going to say yeah, normal. Yeah, neither did I. Very <laughs> ableist of me. Right? PC. Let's but, I mean, people first language. Gregor is still a spy in Paradise. Shouldn't he be? Well, like, he's a double agent. He's actually a CIA guy. <laughs> like, I, well, yeah, wait, I, that's what I was going to ask you, though, because... So in this in this reality that we're just seeing, so basically the the show rewinds a few days or whatever a week to the day that he goes in for the interview, and then she like goes and asks Sergey, not Gregor, Sergey, to look at his phone, and then she's like pulling up this app that we knew in the actual reality that we watched was a spy app, but in this one that we're seeing, is it possible that he's just like really? nervous and, and not a spy mm. yes everything's possible james well but I, but that detail that dame brought up and the fact that there are these like there are pretty significant differences for the, from this reality implies that it's meant to be ambiguous to us whether he's actually in that reality also a spy yeah I think he still is a spy in that reality. Literally just knows it. He just, he doesn't die. He doesn't die later that day. He doesn't die like in a couple hours. She certainly makes the choice to switch boyfriends, right? And the show seems to imply like, oh yeah, she, she knew. Now, now that she has all the information she needed to have, she's choosing the right dude. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Chose Jamie. I choose Jamie. I mean, is the implication that we can all go into the observation room in the weird cube and watch our the next four days of our lives play out, and then we can come back and make better choices, and we can sort of we can sort of reconstruct paradise step by step, right? Yeah, um, I hope so. For for uh, for Lily's path, maybe, but yeah, I don't know. For Forrest's path, he knows that he's actually in potentially all different iterations of of the simulation, and that. In some of them, his daughter is alive, and some of them, you know, who knows? He's it's worse. Yeah, he's president of the. Yeah, they come up with like alternate realities in the show as well. Um, he's president. Yeah. What's it? Was that one? Was he president in one of them? No, but I mean, something similar. Jesus <laughs> had three hairs on the side of his head, or. God, what was another one? He's like, where I, I ended up voting for Eisenhower or something super bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I liked this. I liked it. 
as a whole. I thought the ending was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Farmed out the ending. The, the science kind of broke. I mean, I, from what I understood about the science, and I've never thought about this before before the show, is that either the universe is deterministic, like they claim, right? Or it isn't, or, or it's branching. This is what I was asking you that day, James. Yeah. It, like we we're branching and it isn't by humans, human choice because humans are the most insignificant thing in the universe, right? It's by random oscillations of subatomic particles that are oscillating a billion times a second mm-hmm. all over the universe, right? So like every single like microsecond, the branches are multiplying, right? Yeah. So it wouldn't be Lily to say, oh, I'm gonna throw a gun. Like the, the, the reality would change irrevocably like every second there would be a new different version of things you know yeah um instead of the i think we as humans tend to think of it as these sort of grand moments where there's sort of like dog legs or there's like branches you know we can't it's hard for us to imagine branches happening at like a subatomic level everywhere at once all the time and every continuously every every single and every single moment right Right now. Right it's hard now. to show that on a show, too. So I get it. In the show, they need, like, a moment. They need, like, you know, a, a single act, which can represent a diversion, or like a, a yeah. diverting path. Yeah, I mean, they set it up in the show, but they also map it on to our own lived experience. In, like, the example I think of is choosing between two partners. Like, that's something a lot of people have experienced in their life, and they, they show very clearly, like, what the implications of going one way over the other were and mm-hmm. and also like what she what lily lost out by not staying with that guy and giving and icing him out yeah that's a good call on like relationships being like huge dog legs because you're right john uh all all ch- you know everything's changing all at once but there are moments in all of our lives where something changes in a dramatic a much more dramatic way you know for for me individually and you know an infinite number of changes also occurred to an infinite number of universes at that same time um but that that was actually a big like a when when i divorced when i spoke with my longtime partner like that was like a branching that was a a big dog leg in my personal journey yeah i feel like so does does a does a deterministic does someone who believes in determinism like this physics physics determinism is the understanding that those other possibilities they they don't is is the multiverse that these possibilities are all playing out at the same moment right in their own realities and then a deterministic person would say they don't exist they never existed it was never possible for the chair to be upside down it was always right side up and that's the way and there was there isn't some other place where there's an upside down chair hmm. right yeah. and if and if it does exist it's impossible to interface with it it's just I, that, i'm not i don't have the math background to understand how it works yeah i don't think alex garland does either but it was still real interesting it's still good questions being posed because there's the experiment with the light which i don't quite understand you guys know what i'm talking about where they shine the light yeah mm-hmm. this is the this is the um the Schrodinger's cat like paradox of whether it, once like if you did not observe the electron then it's it could potentially be in one state or the other but if you observe it then it it collapses into one state it can so only be in one state specifically observing it affected the position so 
literally the physical like reality that you're in if you observe it you're affecting the reality that you're within and it's it's uh he, he discovered in 1928 i believe this this uh, experiment that they that they uh, brought up in the show of katie in a physics lecture yeah. and it has to do with like a gold shield catching protons um and you can see that protons are like hitting both sides of the or photons excuse me individual okay. particles of light are this is what i'm thinking about yeah yeah, they're behaving as both a wave and a particle at the same time. And the minute you try to measure it, I think I'm I'm sure I'm butchering this, but the minute you try to measure it as a particle, it no longer exists in like that wave form and in multiple places, but collapses, as you were saying, James, down to one and it's fixed into one place. Mm -hmm. That specific photon is. Yeah, and, and then the example, the like the philosophy example, the Schrodinger's cat thing is that you think of it as there's a you know that there is a cat inside of a box. The question is, is the cat dead or alive? And the answer is, you only know once you open the box, and then you know it's dead or alive. But before that, it can exist in two, two potential states. It's both dead and alive. Right. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think about the other? The other sort of main theme I think of the show is that with enough computing power and enough data, you can model anything, which is a common tech thing right now, right? Mm. Right. That yeah, they, they're, they're, they work on these models um, of everything, um, economic models, like weather models. And what the really missing piece is, is computing power and volume of data. And that when you get the magic quantum computer invention, which has, I guess, unlimited processing power. power. Um, to a point, then it, th then what seems impossible becomes possible. You can go back. That computer can go back and extrapolate every oscillation of every atom all the way back to Jesus, right, or whatever, but all the way back to the to three billion years ago. Because which seems like an impossible task, but this computer has the amount of data it needs and it has the power to go through those calculations all the way back. Um, yeah. Are you asking if we'll ever reach that point of data <laughs> calculation or storage? Uh, no, that's way too much. But. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the, uh, the one piece of it that's like very far future sci-fi. Um, yeah. But I mean, Dan, Dane's point earlier made sense, which is that like models are simplifications of reality. If, you know, like if you do a model of something, one one component of that model can matter orders of magnitude. Like even if some part of it has an effect on the total model, the the drive the the primary drivers of it could be orders of magnitude larger than that, than that one component. So you can ignore all those tiny components and just focus on the the really large large pieces of it. Right, 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 right. Let's try to pare it down. Yeah. I was telling James that I thought they looked at some lame stuff when they were looking back in time. They looked at some lame stuff. Like, what would you look what? at, John? This is a great question. Well, they were looking at they were looking at Pangaea, which is cool. I think that's cool. But why not go back to sixty-five million years ago and watch the watch the comet come down and wipe the dinosaurs out? That'd be something Whoa. to watch, don't you think? Yeah, that yeah. would be. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Watch the watch thought... the formation of the solar system or. Just speed it up a notch. Just turn watch it on the, fast forward. What's the moment when the body impacts the Earth to form the Moon? Just cataclysmic yeah. collision, you know. 
Well, those yeah, are great ones. Those are those are all really good. I mean, the show was trying to do this like straddle this weird line between. It was doing a lot of things. It had a lot of balls in the air, and some of those didn't necessarily resolve in any you know particular way. But one of them that they were really trying to like goose in into the show was the like the the tension and contrast between a faith based view of the world and religion and a science and deterministic view of of the world and so so the fact that they go back and look at christ is very like intentional on their part i mean they're they're trying to make a point about like you know religious events in history yeah Yeah. there were yeah and the, the halos was a good catch and then I think they watched Joan of Arc burn at the stake at one point, which I thought was yes. like an interesting like way to slide religion and violence. Or was it? There. Or was it a witch? I wasn't sure which it was. Supposed to I be. wasn't certain either, but it sounded like she was speaking French. And uh, I don't know. I thought I thought Joan of Arc would be like a sharper, finer point on that image. Yeah. How close is that to Lyndon dying? Well, it's like episode two or three with Joan Dark and uh, Lyndon's in episode seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I, I don't. I didn't really understand ultimately what what they were trying to say about like faith versus science. Well, you know, the name of the show actually isn't Devs, don't you? Oh, Ultimate man. spoiler. Okay. Yes, I'm glad we got here. <laughs> uh, Forrest tells um, Lily about halfway through the episode that the. It's the it's the Ro- the Roman V, so it's actually pronounced like a U, and so it's not called Des, it's called Deus, which yeah. is means something. Uh, not <laughs> it means God. Don't look at me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and then he says like it was supposed to be a little joke, My but answer. I was I wondered if that was also a a meta joke that Alex Garland was saying was like, yeah, I made a show called. Deus, and I made a movie called Ex Machina. So I made yeah. Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> <laughs> you watch one than the other. <laughs> and I, I think that's meta, James, because remember how much I was complaining about the name of the show? Uh, I think the name of the show is really stupid. And James kept telling me to watch the show, and I kept th- imagining it as being like some sort of like knockoff of Silicon Valley, like this, the cable version of Silicon Valley or something. And I was yeah. like, I don't, I'm not interested in that in the least. Right. I had no idea what the show was about from the name. It's kind of a fail, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess right? it's, a, it's a cute little pun in the end, but it wasn't worth it. You know, I guarantee you a lot of people were like, what is, what is this? And they were instantly turned it off. You know? <laughs> they missed out on the joke then, Jad. That joke wasn't for those people. I guess, but. <laughs> I love that take. It's a, it was a cute little joke at the end, but it wasn't worth it. I think that's true. I think that's really true. Um... I mean, I, I'm more convergently than most people, but <laughs> I remember seeing in James's chat, he was like, watch the show Devs. And I was like, that sounds really stupid. Like yeah. just the name, just the name made me edit my mind on the spot. I was not watching it, <laughs> which is probably a failure well, of the name. I think that's as close to judging a book by its cover as you can come. <laughs> Talk about a television show. Um, have you, John, have you seen any of his other work? You know, you know you, you're a fan of any other Alex Garland's? Yeah, I've seen all, I've seen all those things. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I had no concept that Lily was from Ex Machina. I never would have guessed that in a million years. Yeah, her hair looks way different in that one. <laughs> um, I think Greg and I, our friend Greg and I, agree that I don't think her performance in Des was super great. I'm not really sure why. Um, yeah. 
I, I thought her diction was weird and I can't quite put my pink finger on why that is. Is yeah. she trying to do like a California accent? <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is about. She is a, she's British. So she's trying, is it just a bad American accent? I, it doesn't it, sound like it. It could be. I mean, there's so many like elements of that component of that uh, performance that don't sit well with me that I don't think it's just the accent. Dude's layers. She didn't have any lines in Ex Machina, by the way. So like, she spoke a little stilted, but like it made her weirder for sure. In Ex Machina. What's up? You just dance, dance naked in Ex Machina. <laughs> Man, yeah, that was a cool dance. She also peels her skin off. I totally forgotten about that oh, part. Right. So she's also, um, she was one of like the main characters in this TV show. I'm forgetting who the creators were, um, but it was called Maniac. And it starred Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. It was Netflix eight part miniseries thing. that was adapted from like a Swedish or some Scandinavian um, thing. And she played this like, it was also, it was also like a sci-fi show it was kind of cool. I told John about this. It was set in this alternate uh, reality. It was like a futuristic technology world, but all of the technology components are run by 80s hardware pieces. So there are all these like old school looking computer components running things that are like mind control devices. Um, and the show is about, I mean, it's it, it goes in all kinds of different bizarre directions, but it's basically about a... Uh, psychopharmacological trial that these people are subscribing to do and she plays a doctor who's running part of the trial and she was pretty good actually i think she was doing i think her accent was the way she normally talks which could have been cockney was it east end cockney but it wasn't yeah it's super cockney (laughs) (laughs) i know gov she said that so many times i I thought you did great for only speaking of made-up argo like seriously (laughs) but um but so yeah, she's capable of putting in a, a convincing performance, but whatever was going on in devs. And I think, it, I mean, I read, I read some people online talking about, you know, maybe this was Alex Garland's vision for this character, like very muted sort of monotone um, performance. Robotic almost. Yeah. Robotic, but, yeah, we said, we said robotic before. Yeah. I almost thought it was on purpose and there was gonna be some sort of revelation about why. But um, we never got there, you know. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I didn't hate it. She wasn't awful, right? Well, the hosts are split on on whether uh, whether she pulls off a convincing performance on this on this uh, show. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's definitely like a criticism that others have have leveled at this lady. What's her name? So 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 you know. Yeah. I didn't think it was a bad performance. I thought it was odd, and I couldn't quite figure out why it was odd. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just on all levels, it didn't work for me, and was a bit distracting. <laughs> I thought Forrest was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he I had thought- he had to grow that big old beard just to make make sure people didn't think about his other character, right? Oh. John, he didn't have to. He got to grow that big old beard. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been watching Parks and Rec, and, uh, and, and I think I brought this up in a previous episode, but if you go back and just listen to Ron Swanson's lines, they're, they're, ser- they're 
mostly serious deadpan lines. It was yeah. just like the zany context around them. So yeah, yeah I thought he did great as a, uh, as like a villain. But Dan, it's funny you mentioned Annihilation because especially the end of Annihilation, the sound design I thought was really similar to the sound design in, in Devs. And I really liked it. These really sort of like sort of bizarre sounds sometimes that they used. Mm -hmm. I don't mean the music, I mean like the sound. Yeah. Um, Things churning. Like, if you remember when um, in the end of Annihilation, that scene at the end is kind of CG. The CG is kind of bad, I thought, but yeah. um, that's okay. But the, the noises that are happening in that moment are Definitely. bizarre and cool, I thought. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of that type of mood going on in Devs, which I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. um, we brought up that, uh, that Steve uh, Reich um, piece, mm -hmm. that weird loop. Um, that episode ended with like a song that was chanting. It was just like guttural chanting. And I thought that tied in nicely with Forrest watching our ancestors in caves and uh, just, you know, goes from, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the sound design was crazy in that show. Good call. I was yeah. telling James, I noticed that there was a, at least once, I'm not sure, maybe more, there was a song that had elements that were repeated at different, like a, like a vocal line that was repeated at different moments, like um, row, row, row your boat. What do you call these songs? Where That's a round. Yeah, they were they had these round elements, which I thought was trying to suggest more about this sort of multiverse, right? That there are these mm. different songs happening slightly at different times in the same moment. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. There's some smart stuff in the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's not something I thought of, or out, or like a like a wave function that's slightly out of phase. Mm -hmm. Following right after the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. I've already started rewatching it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm on like uh, episode seven or so. Okay, I'm not there yet, but I didn't hate it. I liked it. I liked it. It's no Chernobyl, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think it was a, a good show. I didn't particularly like the ending, but I don't like most endings, so... <laughs> John just hates things to end. He just wants. To <laughs> Let's keep going, John. Uh, I I haven't seen Chernobyl. Would you like to come on and talk about it? It's still oh my relatively... God, Chernobyl. Yeah, it'd be great. Chernobyl is one of my favorite. I mean, I mean, TV um, efforts in a long time. Definitely the best thing to be on TV last year by far. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen it. You guys want to do an episode where you come in and try to tell, just describe it all the way, just start to finish for me? No, no. you're going to go watch it. Yeah, well, yeah, you got to watch it. How long is it? That's Five too episodes. long. <laughs> you're, 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 you've, watched, you've watched 15 episodes of Devs, including a rewatch. <laughs> Stop doing that and go watch Chernobyl. It's, it's on HBO, really right? I don't have HBO. Yeah, it's on HBO. I'm poor. I can't afford that home box office. <laughs> All right, right, you guys have any, any last little things to touch on before we close out uh, I yield the mic I liked it 8 yeah. out of 10 8 out of 10 I give it a 6 and a half out of 10 mm. very thought provoking actually talking it over with you guys makes me more interested in the ideas of the show but production wise yeah, didn't hit, didn't land for me. I'll say uh, fourteen devs on the Richter scale. <laughs> Pretty high. All right, yeah. everybody.
Thanks for Thanks listening. For <laughs> Thanks, John, for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. We'll uh, do it again another time, gents, I hope. Bye, guys.